Father, I know for me, I struggle with this area so badly. I know it's one I want to just be right with you in. I know I don't want to miss this, Lord. And I know I, I pray for other people today that, that we're fellow strugglers that we'd find victory. And God, I pray that the one thing that would come out in all of this is that we know that you love us. We know that when you say that you hate sin, it's because sin hurts us and sometimes our sins hurt others. And we need to repent, we need to turn, we need to be yours. So Father, I'm going to ask right now that your spirit move. God, speak to our hearts. I pray right this moment there's some people in this room who are sensing your spirit, sensing your love, sensing that you have things for them. God, I pray that there's someone here today and they came wanting to know that you're real. And Lord, I pray through all of this, the main thing they're going to get is that you are. So Father, I pray right now you open our hearts and minds to you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, this is my area of struggle. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll never forget that um, Pam and I, when we were getting ready to get married years ago, I did like a lot of grooms. I decided I wanted to get in the best shape I could for our wedding. And so I, I threw myself into it, and I, I did the opposite. I gained weight I didn't lose. Yeah, anybody have that happen? And here's the bummer. I went to put on the tuxedo to try it on, and it just didn't look good. And the day of our wedding, Pam back then was this beautiful, she's still beautiful to me, but back then she was this beautiful, skinny, thin girl, and I knew she was going to come walking down the aisle to an overweight man. And I'll never forget that night of our wedding, standing there looking at myself, thinking, I don't want to walk out there looking like this for her. And, and, and what a horrible thing to have to think about on your wedding day. Well, we got married, and then what happened is I started riding the roller coaster, at times I would lose weight and then I would gain more back and I would lose weight and gain more back. And at one point I actually got all the way to 270 pounds. Now my body isn't made for that. And you're going to see in a minute a picture of me at 270. That's what I looked like then. And uh, man, I was tired. I was achy. I couldn't sleep. Uh, heartburn issues, all the things that come with it. And man, I was not able to be the person God wanted me to be and the dad God wanted me to be. I didn't have the energy for it. And so I remember having to measure what I did and how tired I was and, and how getting up would be such a struggle and going to bed, I wouldn't sleep. And so now I'm all the way to 270. Well, I decided I had to lose some more. And so I got all the way down to 250 and kind of felt that was a victory and, and I'm fighting in it and it's a battle and, 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 and I'm just, I, I'm giving in to overeating. And, and matter of fact, here's the thing for me, food is how I self-medicate. When I get depressed, man, I eat. And I've shared this before. Yeah, I remember lots of times I would grab a half gallon of ice cream when I was bummed out and sit and eat the whole thing. I wouldn't plan on it. I would just eat and there it'd be gone. And here's the bummer. It'd be gone. I'm like, what? Well, it's gone. What a bummer. I want more. Half gallon. So then I, I kept trying to take more weight off. And at that time in my life, uh, Christ Church of the Valley called for me to become their new senior pastor, to move from being their, their next generation minister to their senior pastor. And so I went out and started visiting different friends of mine to say, hey, can you mentor me? Can you help me? I want to be great at this. I feel God's called me to it. And I went out to Las Vegas at that time, and Gene Apple was there. Now Gene's in Fullerton doing phenomenal ministry. But I went out to meet with Gene, and we sat down together, and he said, Chuck, the most important thing 
is are you connected to God? And I said, well, I am. I'm very consistent. That's a joy in my life. It's not even hard. I love being with the Lord. And he said, that's what's most important. Don't let go of that. Don't let anything draw you away from that. So what happened? I was very consistently at that time, five days a week meeting with God. And I decided no more of that. I'm going to up it to seven. And since that time, I've not missed a day. Now, here's what I want to tell you. It's changed my life. I've loved it more and more. My love for God has soared. My connection with God has become better. I've been more in tune with the Lord. And so I've loved that. And I'm so glad that Gene gave me a challenge. And I took it up a notch. But then on that day, he sat there and he looked at me across a a table at Macaroni Grill. And we had already ordered. And he said, all right, I'm going to get real honest with you. What about your weight? He said, I'm just going to be as honest and candid as I can. You are not going to be able to handle the stress in a good way, in a healthy way that you're about to undergo with the weight you're carrying. You've got to get it in check. You've got to get it off. You've got to get in shape. He said, Chuck, being a, a next generation pastor, that's one thing. Senior pastor, man, the, the stress level goes. And I'm concerned for you. And for you to be the kind of person God wants you to be and effective in what you're about to do, you've got to take it off. This is life or death. You've got to do it. And he's looking me right in the eye. And, and I got away with Pam. And I said, all right, let's do it. And we made a commitment to take it off. And I went from about 250 all the way down to 220. And uh, I remember when I hit 220, I thought, man, this is a victory. And I didn't go buy clothes till then. And I went out and bought new clothes. And then I got down to 210 and I'd go to 215 and 210 and 219. I was thought I'm never going to be 220 again. And that's how I was when I came here. And I got to tell you, the gene was right. The stress level I started experiencing and the position I'd gone to was able to be handled in an effective way based on being in physically better condition. I was in top, maybe the top physical condition of my life up to that point. And so, you know, I was able to do that. But what I now know Is that message that God gave me that five years before I came here was not just for then, it was for here. It was for this church. Because when I came here five years ago, the stress level was like you cannot believe. And many of you know this. It was the hardest year of my life. And I would never, ever have been able to handle it in an effective way if I wasn't in physically good condition. And I found out how spiritual that is and how much we connect with God through it and how it makes us better. Don't miss this. If you're not physically in good shape today, then you're not using the body God gave you in the way he designed it. He designed it to be fit. He designed you to have energy. He designed you to have vitality. He designed you to live effectively. This is a God-designed thing. And when we don't use our bodies correctly, we're not honoring God the way we should. And we're not able to do what God wants us to do. And I realized that. Then... As the stress level got up here, Pam and I got more serious, and I went from about 220 and 215, whatever, all the way today, I weigh 180 pounds. And, um, and for about two years now, I've kept it there. Now, I want you to know it's still a struggle. It's still a struggle. It's still a battle. And I have to watch myself carefully. I have to keep myself in check. And, and, and I don't want to go back. But if you're here today and you're looking at me saying, this guy doesn't understand. Oh, I understand. I understand. I also know something that everybody else here knows. Every single year in the United States, 60% of Americans make a commitment to lose weight and get in shape. And 90% fail. Does everybody know that? of the people every year are going to choose to do this, 90% will fail. 
I also know something else. Type 2 diabetes is on a rise, and it's now called a global pandemic. As a matter of fact, it's more deadly than AIDS. You know about AIDS? You know the danger of AIDS? We talk about it. Type 2 diabetes, which is mostly preventable, has soared. The scariest thing is it soared at an epidemic pandemic rate in the youngest generation. Our children, our students are becoming morbidly obese. We now have, Generation Y has become the most unhealthy generation we've ever experienced at a time when they should be their most active. And, and there's some reasons we'll get into why. But it, by 2025, they expect type 2 diabetes, which is mostly preventable, to triple in Generation Y. Now, this is important because it literally is deadly. And God doesn't want you to be that. And, and matter of fact, it's become such a problem that child protective services across the United States has labeled it a few, form of child abuse. That if a parent won't care for their children and make sure that they're physically fit and allow them to hit obesity, they're actually removing children from homes in many cases. And it's now considered child abuse because of what it's doing to kids. And we expect parents to take care of that. Now, the obesity problem is soaring in this country. Now, uh, one of our pastors, Dale Borgen, found a map I want to show you. And I want you to watch this because it makes this so clear. It's very accurate. The evidence from it has been verified. But what I want you to notice is this. And in 1985, if you see that map behind me, in 1985, anything in light blue or white means that less than 10% of the population of that state was obese. So if you look across the country, you see anything light blue or white, you know, it's predominantly somewhat healthy, although back then there was a huge concern not to let this get out of control, that we needed to do something about it. If that map turns orange, that means that uh, that, that state where it turns orange, the 20 to 25% of that state is obese. If it turns dark orange, that means 25 to 30 percent, one third of that state is actually obese. If it goes to that dark, dark orange or brown, it means far more than 30 percent of that state is obese. Did you notice right now in 1985, not one state had that issue. But watch what happens when the map rolls. Watch this. scary, isn't it? And the Center for Disease Control is warning us about something. Now, now, I don't know if you caught it when you watch it, but from 2006 to 2010, it snowballed. By the way, there's no, no thought that it's going to stop. It's going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And we're watching this country quickly, quickly ruin its health. And, and we need to say we're not going to do this. Here's the good news. This is one area of your life you have the most control over. Now, is it easy? No, it's not easy. I know it's not easy. But this is one area you have control over. If I said, all right, God cares about your relationships, and he wants you to have a great marriage, here's the thing. You only have a minor amount of control over that. You can only make a decision about that about you, right? If you're a husband in here, and you say, okay, I want to have a great marriage, and you say, I'm in, and your wife's not, you can't can't make her. And some of you are going, I've tried. 
You know, if you want your kids to be good kids, how much control do you have? The older your kids get, more parents realize, I lose control. <laughs> a lot. And, uh, and you know what? Your finances, you, you have more control over your finances than relationships, but there's a lot of that you can't control. You can't always control the amount of money it goes up. You can't control how much goes out, but even that's difficult. But are you ready? This is an area you have almost maximum control over. I mean, it, it, you really have a lot of control in this area. You can make a difference. And if you and I would choose over the next 30 days to eat correctly and exercise, to, to not, I'm not talking about dieting, make a lifestyle change and eat healthy and exercise and, and enjoy quality, good food. Guess what? In 30 days, you would see a dramatic change. In 90 days, you would see a revolution happen in your life. Everybody here, by the way, even if you're in pretty good shape, if you would do that for 90 days, you would see a, a marked, dramatic difference. God has made us so our bodies respond that way. And see, so here's the good news. We can do this. We can do it. The other good news is this. A major study was done by UCLA, and what they found is there's two keys that cause you from going from a 90% failure rate to a 70% success rate. Ready? There's two keys that will cause you and I to go from a 90% failure rate to a 70% success rate, and here's the good news. Next week, I'm going to share those two keys with you. I am next week. By the way, I'm going to shave next week. I'm going to come in different. And uh, uh, we just thought that'd be fun. I've ne- I don't know what I even look like at this, a- this weight. I've never shaved at this weight. So what's going to happen? I'll come in and I want to share the two keys. Now, here, here's the biggest reason why I'm waiting. Because before you hear the two keys to success, you need to know the four factors that are foundations for you and I to deal with. So we can have success, not only in this area, but every area. There's four key factors that you and I need to mark, that we need to recognize, that we need to face up to. Four things we have to recognize and face up to before we'll ever have success, not only in this area of our life, but in every area of our life. So I want to deal with those right now. Here's the first one. Number one, you have to recognize the enemy. If you don't recognize there's an enemy, if you don't recognize you're at war, if you don't recognize there's things sabotaging you from being who God wants you to be and living the way God wants you to live, then you're never going to have the success God wants you to have. In John 10 verse 10, Jesus said these words. He said, there is a thief who has come to kill and steal and destroy. But I, I, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. By the way, if you're brand new here, here's what I want you to know. Jesus wants you to have an abundant, exciting, joyous life. He's come so you could have that. He died on the cross for your sins to bring you into that. But he said, there's a thief ripping you off. By the way, there's many of us here today who, if we haven't realized it, there's a part of our culture and the culture is the issue. By the way, food is not the issue. Food, food is not necessarily the issue is probably a better way to say it. By the way, especially chocolate. Praise God. There was a study done recently that found if you eat dark chocolate within the right proportions, you'll have a lower BMI index. Praise God for the Hershey company that came out with that study. And, uh, but, 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 you know, it's not necessarily food, but it's our culture. And behind culture is the prince of the power of the air. That's what it's called in Ephesians chapter 2, the devil, who influences culture so that you and I would be ripped off, so we would be have our, our vitality stolen, our energy stolen, our effectiveness stolen. We are being ripped off, and we need to recognize that. The other thing is, Jesus said, a thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. People are dying from this. How important is this? People are dying, and we're going to get into a minute, we're hurting our kids. 
Many caring parents are hurting their children because there's a society out there, a culture out there that we need to transform from and revel and, and get away from and say no to. And so we need to grab a hold of that and make sure that we understand it. So when we talk about there's an enemy out there, what are we saying? Well, the first part of how I want to approach this is this. We have to understand the enemy is using portions to hurt us. We have to start practicing portion control and eat the correct portions. Right now, the average person doesn't do that. I'll give you an example. Uh, behind me on the screen is one of the most popular food products sold today. It's sold by Denny's Restaurant. It's called the Denny's Grand Slam Breakfast. Anybody ever seen that before? You ready for this? 1,200 calories. 1,200 calories if you do not add butter and syrup to a degree. Then it goes to 1,500 calories. And, and you ready? That's, for most people, that's four to five portions that you should have. That's four to five healthy portions. So we go out to a restaurant, we order a meal, now almost nobody gets the actual portion size. Matter of fact, I would say this, would you agree with me? If you ordered a meal and they brought you the correct portion, you'd think they ripped you off? What are you doing? Give me my, you know, give me three. And here's why. The average restaurant today is giving you three portions in one serving. Pam and I were at uh, Elephant Bar recently, and I saw a really pretty healthy meal that looks so good. By the way, you could healthy, healthy eating could be great food. And they brought it out to me, and I went, oh my goodness, look at this, Pam. It was three portions. In other words, I had to only eat one third of it if I'm going to eat the correct amount. Real quickly, I want to help you this. This helped me. It may not help you. There's a book out called Body for Life that I love, and they tell you how to know your portion size. So here's what it is. Take your hand like this. Everyone get your hand. What you should do is not eat any more than this much protein in a meal, a hand size. Now, some of you are looking over going, but their hand's bigger. You still only get your hand. By the way, I do not use Pam's hand. But, uh, but that's all the protein you can have in a meal, that much or less. Now get ready. Here's the next one. This is really important. Make a fist. That's all the carbs you can have in a meal. Like I got to tell you, I love mashed potatoes. I think manna and mashed potatoes are somehow linked. I know there's some of you nutritionists going, you're not supposed to eat mashed potatoes. I don't care. But I can have this much mashed potatoes in a meal, this much rice in a meal, no more than that, this much pasta in a meal. And, and so I can have those things, but I have to keep it at this proportion. Now, you ready? You can have all the vegetables you want, pretty much. All the vegetables, all the fruit. But you've got to limit yourself. And the average person isn't watching their portions. As a matter of fact, are you ready? This is really a big deal. The average American is eating nine meals a day. We're eating nine meals a day, not always healthy even. So we have to bring it down to three meals and two snacks or basically three balanced meals and not eat nine. So portion control is a problem. The second thing is what's in our food. Our culture is putting things in our food that is hurting us, and you and I have got to be aware of it. On February the 7th, the Center for Disease Control released a study that they have been looking at, and it's an alarming study about the amount of salt in food. We are ingesting more and more and more salt. By the way, you know what they're noticing? People are putting less salt on their food. Why? Because so much is already in it. You might say, well, no, I've cut back on salt. No, you probably haven't because we're putting more salt in it than ever. The number one culprit is bread. And a lot of times we're eating a sandwich with the wrong kind of bread and ingesting an unhealthy amount of salt. Parents, you're giving your kids, if you give them the wrong kind of bread, you're, that little child is having an extreme amount of salt put into them just from bread. We are eating more salt in bread than we do in potato chips. And by the way, we're not for potato chips. And so what we have to understand, salt's an issue. 
Uh, the biggest issue though is this, sugar. When I got ready for the study, I, I did this before and Doug Houston said, you got to show everybody again, especially a lot of new people haven't seen this. Here's what it is. Sugar is addictive. Sugar is actually physically addictive. As a matter of fact, 60 Minutes just had a story and they were right about this, that sugar is as addictive as cocaine. And a lot of us are craving things. Why? Because of the sugar that's within them. It makes us crave it. But in 1900, in 1900, the average American ate four pounds of sugar a year. Four pounds of sugar a year in 1900 is how much an average American ate. In 2012, we eat 185 pounds of sugar a year. So this is what an average American in 1900 ate. This is what most of us are eating today. Not dumping sugar on. It's in your food. Are you getting this? It's in your food and you're not even aware of it most of the time. And it's sabotaging your ability to lose weight. And this is a big deal. Look at this. Now, would you agree with me that in 1900, people are more active than today? So we were more active eating far less sugar. And now we're doing this at a time when we're less active. Why are we becoming obese? Why? Now, now get this. In this bag of sugar is 8,500 calories. And this bag of sugar is 8,500 calories. And that's how many calories that a person in 1900 got in sugar in a year. Today, we're getting 306,000 calories. 306,000. Do you see the difference? I mean, this is, we're ingesting 306,000. Look at that chart and see the difference. Kind of get that in your mind about what a big deal this is that we're ingesting all of this. Now, it even gets more. Are you ready? If you... If you and I are eating this much sugar and we do not burn it off, you will gain 87 pounds in a year. That's 80, that, that 306,000 calories equates to 87 pounds if it's not burned off. That means you have to run 3,036 miles a year to burn that off. Or eight miles a day. Anybody doing eight miles a day? Just for the sugar. That's just the sugar. And we go, no, why, why am I struggling? Why am I failing? Well, you got to recognize there's an enemy. And this enemy is killing us. It is doing us in. And we've got to say, you know what? No more. And I have to make a change. Now, there's some things you can do to make a change, but it's going to cause you to have to change your mindset. And let me give you an example of that. Uh, a couple months ago, I think about three months ago, I was walking through the offices and I looked in at my assistant, Talia, and, and she was eating a burrito. And I looked at it. it, that burrito looked good. It was big, had guacamole on it, meat, and oh, and I'm looking at it. And I said, is, uh, Talia eats super healthy. I said, so this is a cheat day for you? And she goes, no, this is on my diet. I'm like, what diet are you on? I want that diet. And, and she goes, that's, she goes, Chuck, that's why we like this diet. Ricky and I love it. They went on this, this plan of eating called Sugar Busters, Sugar Busters, which is done by doctors. It was, it's an eating plan. And they started eating this weight and Ricky started peeling off weight without adjusting his intake. Now you can't totally overeat, but, but he could eat more this way. And, and it wasn't gaining the weight and because the calories aren't there, but it's more healthy. And so Ricky ended up getting so healthy. He now runs marathons just to get rid of all the energy he's got. And Talia said, this is incredible and you can have this. And so I told Pam about it and Pam got with Talia and I found out that Tim and Kathy Roberts are on this eating plan. That's why Tim Roberts looks like Tim Roberts. Ronnie and Natalia are on this eating plan. And that's not why Ronnie looks that way. It's all genetics. And, uh, you know, 
no one's going to get Ronnie Rowe. And uh, so, so here's the thing. And you know what? Uh, uh, Casey Butler's on this planet. I'm finding all these, and they're all loving. They're loving the food they get. So Pam's got on it now, and she's loving it. She's loving the food she gets to eat. But you have to readjust your thinking. Now, if you notice on the back of your bulletin, next Saturday night at 3.30, next Saturday afternoon, Talia is going to lead a seminar on sugar busters to show you what you can and can't eat and how great this food is. Now, now, here's what I want to say. Not every eating plan is for everybody. You need to find the one that works for you. I'll be honest, I'm not really a sugar buster person, even though I understand the value of it. I have a different way of doing it. And, uh, but Pam is loving it. And here's why I want to say, I think everybody ought to go hear this just to understand the sugar issue. But if you're a parent, if you're a parent more than ever go, so you can guard your kids, because you could give your kids the best foods ever and not do this to them. And I would hope every single parent goes. I hope everybody goes. It'll be in the London. You don't even have to sign up. If it ends up too big for the London, we'll move it to the Plex. But I'm hoping you go next week at 3.30. Then, after the class is over and prior to Saturday night service, outside, we are going to serve quesadillas that are sugar buster friendly. In other words, we're going to have you get it with the guacamole and the salsa if you choose it, and onions and chicken and... and Man, I'm hungry. And uh, so all that will be out there. And, and you're going to be able to see that it's really, really good. And by the way, if you don't go to class, just want to come have quesadilla and go to Saturday night service, more than ever do that. But we want to give that to you. But you have to realize there's an issue. See, what does Paul say about this? Romans 12, 1 and 2, if you're there, look at this. Therefore, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Notice, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now catch verse two. And do not be conformed to this world. Another way to say that is do not let the world put you into its mold. Don't let the world put you in its mold. And by the way, the world's mold's getting bigger and bigger. You know, don't let them do that. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, what is God saying to us? He says, don't live like the rest of the world. Be transformed by having different mindset, by not thinking like everybody else thinks so you don't live like everybody else lives. In Proverbs, it says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And on this one more than ever, if we don't get the right mindset and the right approach in this area, along with other areas of our life, we'll get sucked into things that hurt us. And God doesn't want that to be the case. We've got to think about the reality of this. So we need to readjust our minds and recognize we have an enemy and not live according to the world because we're getting ripped off. We're getting killed. We're getting destroyed. Number one, recognize the enemy. Number two, you have to recognize that gluttony is a sin. Number two, you have to recognize that gluttony is a sin. You and I need to understand that. Now again, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm not trying to be hurtful in this. It's just, we gotta understand it's true. And God doesn't want the sin to hurt you. There's lots of sins that hurt us, but gluttony is one of them. And, and notice how, how big a deal this is to God. Titus chapter 1, 12 and 15, through 15. Uh, Paul tells Titus this, and it's inspired by the Lord. Verse 12. One of themselves. Oh, there we go, okay. One of themselves, a prophet of their own said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Verse 13 cracks me up. This testimony's true. Does that crack you up? Yeah, they're liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. It's true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith. 
Now, catch how important this is. God's saying that when you and I get involved in any of those three things, including gluttony, we're not sound in the faith. God wants you to be sound in the faith. He wants you to live a life that's incredible. So he says, you know what we're to do? We're to reprove people in this area along with the other two. Daniel thought this was such a big deal that he made up his mind not to defile himself with food. Daniel chapter one, verse eight. Daniel is shoved into a situation where all this food is put before him and it's the best of the best food. But he said it made up his mind not to defile himself before the Lord is God with food. We need to make up our minds not to do that. We need to say that's not who we're going to be. Proverbs 23, 19. Proverbs 23, 19 through 21 says, Listen, my son, and be wise. And direct your heart in the way. Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. Now, we know alcoholism is a problem and hurts and kills. God says the other one is too. It's equal. Don't let, get caught up in that. Choose not to. By the way, if alcoholism is your problem, God can set you free. And if gluttony is your problem, God can set you free. Verse 21, for the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. Now, you might in the first rebel against that a little and say No. I know alcoholism can take away and ruin someone financially and wreck their livelihood, but gluttony won't do that. But see, what we don't realize is it does impoverish us. It does rob us from our life. It does take us from what God wants for us. It does make us less effective and less profitable and less, and takes away our ability to flourish in a way that God wants you to. You see, we have to realize it impoverishes. It makes our life less than. And it begins to take away what God wants. By the way, it takes away years from your life. But it also takes away the vitality of the moment. And God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for you. I remember Pam and I were at the Dallas airport not too long ago. And they changed our gate. And so we're starting to have to almost run to the next gate. And I looked over. And I saw a person who was extremely overweight, and I am not judging them. I have no clue what's going on in their life. I was not trying to ridicule them, but I watched them try to make it to the gate, and our flight is about to leave, and they're going like this, and they had to stop and, and go like this. And, and they, I, I looked at them. Here's what I thought. I thought, I used to be just like that. I remember the days that I just couldn't function. And I wasn't judging them. I, I just thought, God, I, I understand why you say this is wrong. Uh, I've told this before, but it's true. I remember Pam and I moved into a house. We had prayed about getting it, wanted it so badly. It ended up being a two-story house. And we're in there. And the boxes are pretty much unpacked. And the TV's in front of us. And I'm sitting and watching. And Pam looks at me and says, hey, I left something upstairs. Do you want to go get it? <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't want to go get it. If I go upstairs, I'm not coming back. You know, it's just, that's how it is. And, and even though I joke about that, here's the truth. that that weight, I was imprisoned in the living room because I couldn't go enjoy the rest of the house. I was impoverished. And I needed to understand it. Um, we need to understand that's what, what happens to us. Uh, I one time did a beach service and and. I was pretty overweight at that point, and we invited high school and college, and a lot of parents came, and we worshiped, and then I gave the invitation, and 35 people came and gave their lives to Christ at the beach. Man, I am so excited. I'm all pumped, and three college girls ran up to me and said, Pastor Chuck, would you, we want to get baptized. Would you baptize us right here in the ocean? 
And I looked at them and I thought, no. I mean, I really did. Now, these girls are on cloud nine. And they love me and they want me to baptize them. And I'm looking at them thinking, how do I get out of this? Not how do I celebrate this? Not how do I be a part of it? Why did I want out of it? Anybody, if you were how I was, you already know. You know, if you go in that water, even if you wear a t-shirt, the t-shirt doesn't hide it, does it? Maybe it makes it worse. I wasn't going to peel off my shirt. I was embarrassed. And, And here's what I don't want you to miss is that those girls didn't care. By the way, most people right now, if we care, it's not we care about the look issue. We, we care about you. We're not trying to ridicule you. Most people don't care about that for us. They care about our health. Those girls in that moment, that didn't matter. But to me, I was so impoverished in that moment. I couldn't enjoy it. And God's saying, Chuck, do you realize that's what you're facing you realize that's what's going on? As a matter of fact, we have to recognize we have an enemy. We have to recognize that gluttony is a sin. The third is this. I, I need it and you need to recognize you're in bondage when you give into this. Anything you give into and masters you, has you in bondage and enslaved. And God doesn't want that for you. First Corinthians 6 verse 12 says this. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but here's the key. I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. I won't be addicted to anything. I won't be under bondage to anything. And then he says in verse 13, food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with them both. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, now, interestingly, his point here was everybody knows that you should not be mastered by food. Everybody knows you shouldn't be a glutton. And back then, everybody knew that. Today, I'm not sure we all know that. And he says, and so using this as an illustration of how bad that is and how much it hurts you and how that masters you, don't let immorality master you. Well, today, immorality, sexual impurity, sexual lust is mastering a lot of people and wrecking lives. But we've also understand that we're not to be mastered by food. We shouldn't be mastered by anything. If you're here today and you have an habitual habit, a sin that you can't get victory from, the good news is God can set you free. But it starts with facing up to the fact you have a problem. If you're an alcoholic, what's the number one step? Realizing you need a higher power and you have a problem. If you have any other sin in your life, you have to realize there's a God who loves you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for their sin. And guess what? You can be set free from it. You've got to face up that you have a problem and that you're in bondage. God doesn't want us to be. One in 10 Americans today are alcoholics, but one in three are obese. Both are an issue. Uh, and we're addicted. 1 Corinthians 10 31 says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all the glory of God. God said, that's a way I glorify him. That's a way I, 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 I literally enact with him. I encounter him. I have intimacy with him to do that. God created food to be enjoyed in the correct way, not for us to be in bondage to it. And we need to understand that. Number one, recognize you have an enemy. Number two, number two, you have to recognize that gluttony is a sin. Number three, you should not be, you have to recognize that you're not to be in bondage. And if you're in bondage, you have to recognize that and you should not be mastered by anything. Number four, you have to recognize that the abundant life is found in self-control and self-denial. This is a big deal. You and I need to recognize that the abundant life, Jesus said, I came that you have life and life abundantly. That abundant life, that abundant life is found and, and actualized in our lives by self-control and self-denial. We actually live better. We celebrate more. We enjoy more. And that's what God wants us to do. 
Pam and I just came off the 40 day fast like thousands of us here. We're, we're still reaping the benefit of it. Uh, the thing I fasted from was bread products and some other things. So the other day I had a burrito. And to bite into a tortilla, I thought, oh, that's incredible. I was going nuts because I had a tortilla. Why? Because I hadn't had one for 40 days. You see, when we practice self-denial in a correct way and self-control, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, we actually enjoy life more. And again, if you're here, you don't get it. God's calling for you and I to go to a life that actually is filled with joy and peace and goodness and and love. And, And those things are found when we say no to certain things, not because we can't, because they don't help us. And God cares about you too much not to do that. Uh, Proverbs 25 verse 16 says, have you found honey? Have you found honey? It says, eat only what you need that you do not have in excess and vomit it up. That's a good verse. You know why it's so good? Here, if I gave you honey today and said, take a spoonful and you ate it, most everybody here would go, that's really good. If I said, drink a jar of it, right? See, God is saying, if you eat the right amount, the right portion, and enjoy it, you'll get the benefit of it. Then you'll start enjoying more things, not less things. That's what God wants. So Paul said, knowing that, I won't let anything master me, but I will master my body. I will master life. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, do you not know that all those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? There's only one winner. How are we going to be a winner? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified. You know what he's saying? He said, notice that self-control and discipline gives me victory. It gives me joy. It gives me uh, uh, the, the incredible reward of God. You and I need to understand that. And you probably already do. Think about this. Have you ever, I, I have, have you ever got, sat down in a meal and ate more than you should? Now, okay, we all have done that at least at once. And, and by the way, once in a while, that's not the issue. But what happens, think about this. So you and I sit down together and we eat, we eat, we eat, we eat. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh man, oh, oh, I hurt. You never eat till you hurt. Oh, I can't believe it. I got to get that off. I need a nap, but I don't feel good. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, I can't believe I did that. You're aching. Your jeans are cussing at you. And you thought you had Christian jeans, you know, and you just don't feel good. And Paul says, but what if we do the opposite? And, and here's the thing. When I do it right, and by the way, this will be true for you. When I do it right, I love life more. Here, I'll give you an example when it comes to food. So, for instance, when I'm doing it right, I wake up in the morning hungry. By the way, the average American doesn't even eat breakfast. What they do is they skip it and gorge nine meals and two meals. But I wake up hungry. I'm starving. I get up and I have breakfast. I have about 300 calories for breakfast. Man, I love it. I'm eating it. It looks so good. I'm enjoying it. By the way, I don't wake up dreary and tired. I wake up refreshed and I'm like eating and loving every second, having my coffee. And then what happens? Then about 10 in the morning, I get hungry again. And I start thinking, hmm, I wonder what I want for lunch. And most days I'll walk through the office going, anybody getting lunch today? Anyone want to go? And they're like, where do you want to go? And here's my answer. Everywhere sounds good. No, see, someone who gorges, nothing sounds good. I don't know, nothing sounds good. For me, everything sounds good. I, I'm, so, I'm like, we could go here, we could go there, we could go. Why, why are you saying that? At t- I'm starved. 
in a good way. And so when lunch comes, we all go out to lunch. Man, I'm ordering everything. I'm like, oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. And we're eating it and celebrating and enjoying it. And I have a great lunch in proportion. Then about 3.30, I get hungry for dinner. And I'm thinking, oh, we're going to have this for dinner. Oh, man, I can't wait for dinner because it all sounds good. Or I don't know what we're going to have for dinner some nights. And I walk in the house, say, Pam, what are we having for dinner? And she'll say, tomato soup. And I'll go, that sounds great. Why? I'm hungry. Everything, you know, normally I don't like it, but I like it now. And so, you know, salad, and and so it sounds, and I love everything. And then here's the key, you ready? And I get a snack at night, usually chocolate. And so everything's better. By the way, when you live your life with God, that's how it is. Everything's better. When I say no to the things God wants me to say no to, when I have victory in my life that way, when I listen to the Holy Spirit and his leading, when God looks at me and says, Chuck, here, say no to this so you can have this, then I I start understanding what life and life abundantly is. Jesus said these words. Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Forever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever wishes to, or but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? It's interesting. The Lord says, it's in coming to me and denying self. It's in coming to me and taking up your cross. It's in coming to me and understanding that when I tell you to say no to these things, that you find your soul, you find life. And when you go after everything the world offers and every indulgence and every passing pleasure, you're never going to find that. But are you ready for this? Please don't miss this. This this and every other area is about moving into the very presence of God. And what happens when we're in God's presence? Psalm 1611. You, God, you will make me know the path of life. Did you catch it? Jesus said, I came that you have life and life abundantly. You will make me know the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, God, are pleasures forever, forevermore. God wants that for you. No matter what your issue is today, if this is your issue, God wants it for you. Because he loves you. If it's an anger issue, God wants it for you because he loves you. There might be some of you today, let me say this. There's some of you who are here today, there are friends of yours or family members who are praying you'll say yes to God. Because they love you. And they want you to have the life that God has for you. God, by the way, is wanting you to say yes to him. And how do we say yes to God? This, I want you to catch this. We say yes by actually whispering the word yes. Yes, God, I want the forgiveness of Jesus. Yes, God, I want the life you have for me. Yes, God, I want to open up my heart to you. Yes, I want to have you guide me in the path of life and let me live the life you have for me. And God, where it's hard, I need your help and I need your strength and I need your love. You have this for me. And today what we're going to do is go to a time of prayer. And I'm going to ask God literally to touch people. Now maybe this issue is the area he needs to touch you with and you need help. Tell him that. He promises not to turn from you. Maybe it's another area you need help. Maybe it's a pain, a hurt, a wound in your life. And what you need to do is look at God and say, God, today I'll say yes. Today I'll do this. Today, I'm going to be yours. And what I'm going to ask in a moment is as I pray, I'm going to ask God to move and touch. And then I'm going to stop. And I'm going to ask people here who want to say yes to the Lord and you want to have God draw you close to him. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me and whisper that prayer. And that's the first step. There's some others. It's the first step in coming to the Lord. Let's pray. 
Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit, and I mean that, Lord, your spirit would begin to just fill this place. Fill our hearts, fill our minds, and touch us. Father, I pray for a person who's sitting here today and they doubt that you're real, but I pray right now somehow they can just feel it happening. They're not even sure what it is, but it, it, they know there's something beyond them right now. They've never felt like this before, but they're, they're sensing you. And God, I pray they wouldn't deny this. I pray they'd open up and today they'd pray and say yes to you. Father, I pray for a woman who's sitting here today and this is a tough subject for her. Her mom and dad had said mean, cruel things to her regarding her, her weight. It's hurt her and wounded her, made her feel like, like she doesn't deserve love. And it's the opposite, God. You love her. She, she deserves your love so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for her. Not based on who she is or what she's done, but on how valuable she is to you. And God, I pray today she would just all of a sudden, the fear of this topic and the fear of looking in the mirror and the fear of how she feels. God, it's a wound that needs to go away and I pray you touch her and free her. Lord, there's a person here today and they're like me. They've eaten just to hide from pain and hurt. And today, God, I think the most important thing for them is not the sermon, it's to be freed from the pain and the hurt. And I pray, oh God, that you would touch them now. Lord, I want to pray right now for a person who's sitting here and they have been horrific towards some other people in their family. They know they need to go apologize. They know they need to take it back. But, but Lord, right now they, they're holding on and I know they're beginning to almost shake. They can sense they've got to let go of this. God, I pray for every person here today, those I've just prayed for, and everyone who needs to open their hearts to you and give themselves to you. I pray, oh God, right now that your spirit would begin to touch anyone who needs to say yes for the first time or come back to you. Some need to come back and some need healing. But God, I pray it's a day of change, a day of transformation, a day of redemption. I'm gonna ask that we keep praying. I wanna right now ask all of you who know the Lord, just start praying for those who need to make a decision. But I want to take a second and I want to just have everyone here do this. Just would you say these words? Lord, speak to me. Just let him speak to you. And I think some of you, are going to, God's going to talk to you. Lord, I pray right now that you would start touching people. They know they need to do this. Right now, while we're praying, if you're ready to say yes to God or come back to God or be healed from hurt, I'm going to ask you, whisper this prayer with me. Right where you're sitting, say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. I know you died on the cross to forgive me, to heal me from hurt and from pain, to free me for myself, for my past, from fear, and from failure. You want me free. You want me clean. You want me yours. And I want to be yours. So tell him these words. Say, I say yes. Yes, I want you. And yes, I want the life you have for me. 
and I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and help me live, live the abundant life with you and for you because I'm yours now. And Jesus, I say yes. And I do this in your name. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer.